listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 445. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. Our weekly reminder that we record either Monday or Tuesday. Feedback needs to be in by Sunday night, Eastern time. And today we're recording... 11 a.m. on Monday because you're sort of working, but you're sort of off, I guess, right? Is that a good way? Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, I guess. <laughs> it's a, uh, we get a day at the end of the quarter to, you know, finish up grading stuff and everything. So, which I actually have been doing. I, I wasn't watching TV or, or tweeting agonizingly about the Bills' loss or anything. I was, instead, I was actually being a good boy and, doing some schoolwork nice all right i used to grade essays during the ravens game during commercials so i I could usually knock out one essay in a commercial and kids Mm -hmm. always wondered whether there was a correlation between how the ravens were doing (laughs) that week and the grades and and their grade yeah there probably was i I never actually can't can't say there was no connection right yep (laughs) Yeah, I, I often uh, think about that when I when I'm watching football. But yesterday, I, I was not watching any football because I took my daughter uh, up to Westchester, which is about two hours away for a, a field hockey tournament. Um, so I was, you know, able to. They had the game on at the place where the tournament was. So between games, I could go and catch some glimpses of the uh, the Rams Tampa Bay game, and then the uh, the Buffalo Kansas City game basically had to listen to on the radio on the way home. So, uh, so well, I was rooting for you. Uh, got four great games this weekend. Oh my god! So you know, I don't hate Kansas City. I hate Andy Reid, but I, I like Mahomes. But <laughs> yeah, I was going with the Bills. Uh, you know, it just I mean, I know you like them, so that was part of it. But I don't yeah. know. There's just something I like about their franchise and. And so well, they're, Josh they're Allen. a very blue collar type yeah. team, you know, sure. like, like there's right. <laughs> yeah. You know that they're, they're the, it's a city that it's a Buffalo is an extremely endearing city. Um, if you've never been there, like a lot of people like to mock it and say, Oh, it just snows there, but it's really a, a really a nice town. The people up there are, are great. And it's a really strong working class you know, ethic that runs throughout the whole city. And, uh, you know, I really, I really liked it there. I think the team reflects that. Um, I'm glad to see them do well. Uh, I, you know, they lost, but, you know, on the other hand, you you were there. In, in the end, only one out of 32 teams is, is going to be happy after the last game, you know? Yep. So, uh, you know, they had a great run. They, they have a very promising future. So, you know, like we're going to see, Bills, Ravens, and uh, Chiefs matchups. Those would be marquee matchups for for a while now. So. Yep, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, like you said, they made it to the final eight, and uh, that's a perfect transition for me to get into what we're watching this week and, and right. Battlestar Galactica of the final five Cylons. Four have been revealed. We're still waiting for the last one. And uh, as I said to you before we started recording, I, I, I haven't moved on with The Witcher because I'm just so – caught up in in Battlestar Galactica's final season and just stuff is happening fast and furiously so uh, that's cool but you know I've mentioned the British uh, crime drama 
line of duty, and I mentioned, I think I, I finished that as well. So like a lot of shows, I'm sure genre fans do the same. It's like, oh, I really like this actor. I'm going to see what else he or she is in and, and check that out. So, so of course, that's what my wife and I did. And we picked up this show that's currently on Peacock, even though it's a British show. It's not BBC, it's ITV with Saran Jones and Rose Leslie, who we, of course, know from Game of Thrones. And she was great in, in this. And it, it's, again, it's a, it's a crime drama that takes place on a British nuclear submarine. And there's Russians and Americans and six episodes. Pretty darn cool, I, I will say that. So uh, that's been my viewing week. What about you? Yeah, I, I got to talk about Peacemaker, um, the show that just uh, dropped a week ago on HBO Max. I don't know if I call it a sequel to, but or you know, it takes place right after the events of the Suicide Squad, not the original Suicide Squad movie, but the Suicide, the James Gunn movie that came out uh, last year, which is I've talked about before. I love that movie, and uh, and this uh, series is is just great it's peacemaker is not your typical hero right uh his his line is uh i want to secure peace no matter how many men women and children have to kill to get it um which is kind of like a scary line a little bit uh so he's not the the sharpest uh tool in the shed uh but he you know like part of us of, of of the show is going along with this character, a character who were not because of things he did in the suicide squad. were not necessarily loving this guy too much, you know? And, and so our, what they have to do, you know, straight away is for us to, to garner some sympathy for this character. Um, Cause we don't have much sympathy for him based on, on the suicide squad. And, and they do that they, pretty quickly. And John Cena is really uh, a, a very pretty – I think he's a really good comic actor, you know. Um, and, and he does a great job. The If you watch nothing else, you have to watch the opening sequence, the title sequence of this show. It's um, all the actors doing a very goofy dance to uh, an old hair metal song that I'd never heard of before by a band called Wigwam called Do You Want to Taste It? Uh, and all the actors doing this dance with just these completely serious looks on their faces. It's, you just got to see it to, to, to believe it, but it's great. The show's great. Uh, I, I recommend both the movie, The Suicide Squad. It's back on HBO Max right now, so you should go check it out and watch Peacemaker. Okay, well, I watched Deadpool, so don't push your luck with this one. So, uh... yeah. Anyway, well, um, and I'm not, I'm not 100% on a lot of the DC stuff also, you know, but, uh, but these, th- these parts of the DC universe are, are really, uh, just, just great. And I think it's because James Gunn, who also did the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, is just really good at kind of that irreverent, like coming up with a story that has action and drama in it, but also that that kind of humor and very sometimes also very dark humor uh, that's involved there and everything. But, um, you know, just, uh, it, just really good, enjoyable, very funny. All right, well, let's get to some Fringe, Season 1, Episode 7, in which we meet Mr. Jones, written by J.J. Abrams and Jeff Pinkner, directed by Brad Anderson. 
This one aired November 11th, 2008. And obviously, one of the big things we notice right away in this episode is the introduction of Jared Harris's character. And we know him, of course, from Foundation most recently as Harry Seldon. And Fred even mentions that in his feedback. He also played King George in The Crown. I forgot he was in The Expanse. He was even in Mad Men. But you know, his role as David Robert Jones in Fringe, I don't want to say it was his breakthrough role, but, you know, it was fairly early in his career. So, you know, way to go, Fringe. Yeah, he was probably in tons of stuff before Fringe. But, yeah, I mean, Fringe made him kind of iconic, especially in the, you know, the genre um, industry and everything yeah um you know fred you know and you and fred both mentioned uh, you know obviously we can't you know not address the fact that we were just podcasting on the series with jared harris was a star of but you know it's it's funny because casting him as harry selden like automatically like at least for me i was always kind of looking at harry with a degree of skepticism, you know, just because uh, of he—he he just so nailed it as as uh, David Bowie. I mean, David Robert Jones. That um, nicely done there. You like <laughs> that? Uh, you know, like almost everything he's in. Like you're just kind of like you're expecting him to be sketchy, you know. Yeah, and, and for those of you that maybe don't know, Wayne's referring to the actual birth name of David Bowie, so which is David Robert Jones. So cool. All right. Well, it's also funny because this the last week, like Sirius XM Radio has been running uh, on one of their stations. They've made the David Bowie station, so I've been listening to a lot of Bowie for the last couple of weeks. So this was came in perfect time. Cool. Uh, now I've mentioned Line of Duty, you know, many times over the last couple of weeks, and and for those of you, particularly in the uh, UK, who, who know the show, and and dude, Line of Duty is one of those shows that it started out with pretty good ratings, and it just kept going up and up and up to the point where their season six had monster numbers. And it's almost like, well, we didn't necessarily plan to do a season seven, but it's so damn popular. But Superintendent Hastings, uh, who's one of the main characters, he's the boss in line of duty of our our team. And I'm watching this episode, and, and, and I'm you know things are coming back, and, and you know based on the first six episodes, I, I just have this quote from Hastings in my head, dude. Now we're sucking diesel, and. <laughs> He had some great lines in this, uh, but it, but it's like everything is now coming together. And we've taken some giant leaps forward in the overall fringe narrative. And, you know, without going into the spoiler zone, which we will later, yeah. now we're sucking diesel, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is, uh, I had to look it up exact. I mean, you know, you get the context of what he means when he's saying it, but uh, yeah. He just has some awesome lines. We see the observer in the airport, right, just before Olivia meets Yes, I, I caught him this time, yes. And I don't know about you, but then it occurred to me, was he on the flight with her? Or does he not need to fly? <laughs> We're still not sure exactly what the heck he is. 
and what his powers but are. Is she going into the airport and he's leaving? No, well, I or, or I, is it her coming? I can't remember. I think he's walking ahead of her as she, oh, she's she's okay. deplaned and she's coming through the gate, and I think he's okay. already gone through it. Right. If, if right. in fact he. You know, so anyway. Um, yeah, because she wouldn't be going into the airport at Frankfurt. She would be coming. She would take the plane into the airport, right? So, yeah. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. So, well, I, you know, I, I doubt he was on the plane with her because, you know, she would probably notice. But uh, but the fact that he's there is, you know, obviously that's that's something we're going to notice, right? Well, he would have been in first class, I'm sure. And she was probably back yeah. in coach. So you never know. Right. But yeah, no, 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 I agree yeah. with you. Astrid, she's getting some great lines, and, and I don't know if this is going to be a pattern. <laughs> nice. She asks Walter, is this going to work or not? Which is now the second, I think, week in a row that, that she's brought that up with him. And then and we'll talk about it later. Of course, in this episode, what kind of man experiments on his own son? Because mm-hmm. to this point, we give Walter a pass. I mean, we, we understand what kind of work he did in the past, and, and some of it is pretty horrific by his own admission, but he's such a nice guy, and, and after 17 years in St. Clair's, and, and again, we don't know what he was like before going into St. Clair's, really, but that scene in this episode when Peter remembers being shocked with a car battery i think he says right yeah uh-huh. what kind of man does that so yeah. i think i think we have to start looking at walter and the relationship peter has with his father i don't want to say the the relationship walter has with peter because it, it seems like it's more on peter's end trying to connect with his dad as opposed to the other way around Right. Well, and, and that seems perfect because, you know, we, we can see Peter. Peter is raging internally. You know, yeah. you just see Joshua Jackson just really, really – this guy is such a good actor. Because we could just see, like, in Peter's face, like, he's just furious, right? Because he's just recalling this thing, this very painful, traumatic thing from his childhood. Walter just blows it off. Right, like he doesn't even, you know, it has no concept that that Peter is upset. He just like kind of like, well, if he does, he just doesn't address. He just keeps on, you know, going along with the procedure. You know that that's really kind of what we've we've seen. And, and Walter is such a, you know, we said from word one, he's an extremely complex character in many ways. He's, fr- you know, when we first see him, he's. The madman with the the you know his unkempt hair and the beard and everything, and they shave off the beard and all of a sudden he's like your kindly uncle, right? But no, he's your your uncle who who straps you down and shocks you with a car battery, you know. So so there's definitely two aspects of it because we do see him as kind of a like a kind of scatterbrained genius on the one hand, uh, who is comes up with funny lines and is obsessed with food and things like that. And we think, Oh, isn't that quaint and quirky on the other hand? And we really see it here. Like there is this super dark side to Walter as well. We can't forget that. 
Right. Sure. And, and I mean, in this episode, not only do we have the introduction of David Robert Jones, but we have the introduction of ZFT. And uh, OK, fine. I'm going to spoil it. We're going to hear from ZFT again. So there it is. <laughs> I've thrown it out there. <laughs> I don't think that's really a spoiler. I think yeah. probably most people watch this figured that that's going to be a thing. Yeah. But that whole idea about science and the responsibility of the scientists is something we've talked about almost weekly. And, and when you look at the work that Walter did in the past, we don't know, but did it ever occur to him to just say, no, that's a step too far? Or is he just one of those scientists that has the blinders on and just sees the pure science of it without considering the ethics behind it? And I guess at this point, we'd have to say, yeah, that does seem to be the Walter Bishop that existed in the past. So the question is, is there a new Walter Bishop or is it going to be his son, Peter and, and Olivia to some extent that's going to have to rein him in? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That, um, I mean, we've, we've noticed before how he seems to not really pick up on like basic social emotional cues, right? Um, like Broyles says, you know, about Mitchell Loeb, this man is not just a colleague, he's a friend. He's kind of trying to emphasize to Walter, it's really, really important to me that, that this man lives and everything. And Walter goes, um, I see. Do you have any mints? No, right. You know, it's like he, he just doesn't, you know, it's like the same thing with Peter, right? Like if he doesn't get emotions and, and other people. Like he just doesn't, it just doesn't register with him. He can, we see the guy who can just focus on the task at hand. For him, Mitchell Loeb isn't, he's not trying to save a human being per se. He's trying to figure out a problem. Right. And, and the interesting thing I, I will be to watch whether or not Walter changes along the way. We don't know who he was surrounded with in his past life in, in terms of colleagues and, and supervisors and all of that. But we see who he's surrounded with here, Olivia, Peter, Astrid, and to a large extent, Broyles as well. So will you know, th this different group and allow him to change and, and maybe consider the emotional side of things. I think that's a reasonable expectation, but you know, you, you mentioned Loeb and, and obviously the episode starts with this FBI sting operation that, that, you know, I don't want to say it goes awry because it doesn't go awry. It's just that the people were apparently tipped off, but once back at headquarters, Loeb goes into cardiac arrest, taken to the hospital. Surgeon cracks open his chest to reveal this pulsating metallic object. And it looks okay. like the thing got a little shop of horrors, kind of. Yeah, kind of, sure. And, and, and I mean, it, it's certainly frightening. And, and yeah. I think the first question you have to ask is, all right, well, how did they get it in there? Because, you know, when, when they've got him on the operating table, I didn't necessarily notice any scars because you would think they right. would have had to crack open his chest to put that in there but maybe not maybe well, they... it, it, it's something i assume like he was infected with and grew inside of him right and, and that's kind of what walter uh posits later on as he starts investigating but but interestingly or maybe not maybe 
expectedly, Olivia immediately asks Walter if this is his work. And he says no, but marvels at the organ that envelops the heart. And, and of course, kind of what you were getting out a, a few minutes ago about Walter's reactions to things. So, yes, this is terrible. Yes, this is horrific. But, wow, nicely done, bad guys or you yeah. know, whoever, whoever did it. Now that we know how the episode ends with the revelation that Loeb and his wife are apparently spies for whom at this, yeah, I guess we could guess for ZFT, but we don't know. But she gives Olivia that sheet with the numbers on it that she finds in her husband's bag. And on the one hand, why would you give that to the FBI to allow them to start decoding? Because it does allow them to lay some groundwork for what it is they're dealing with. Or is it just part of a larger setup at this point? You know, now that we know, I mean, when we see her do it at this point, we just think she's, you know, being the, the, wise wife of an FBI agent that's giving, you know, the team's trying to save her husband's right. life as much ammunition as as they, you know, yeah. can. Like to- unlike unlike the dude in the last episode, right? Who's like, oh, I know you're trying to save my wife, but I'm gonna withhold some pertinent information from you. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> so that makes it even more narratively interesting because we know at the end that Okay, well, she didn't just give that to them accidentally. Right. So is she trying to lead them down a particular path? And that does seem to be the case. We don't necessarily know what that path is yet, but Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah. So is it Well, yeah, you know, and, and Fred said that this is a pretty big risk there too. I mean, I obviously yeah. I, I, I look at it as yes, everything that the lobes did was done purposefully to get. I don't. I don't like Fred said. Did they know it would work out this way? I don't know if they knew it would work out like this, but they did get those words. Little Hill. That was what. That was the whole goal of this to to communicate that to them and to David Robert Jones. So, but but the the risk that they take is incredible. So. Yeah. You have to think, like, what motivation do they have to take such a risk? Yeah, I mean, couldn't there have been a less intrusive way of manipulating Olivia and her team? You'd have to think yes, but, I mean, did he know that they were going to crack open his chest and that it was going to come down to, you know, the the last second? Again, because if... Uh, Peter hadn't figured out, or Walter rather, figured out that we just simply needed the horizontal lines added into the vertical lines that, that Peter jotted down, then he'd have died, I, I assume. Right? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Like, like you said, and like, like Fred mentions, it's hard to believe they, they were willing to take that big a risk, but maybe not. Or, but, well, you know, like, I guess it was last episode when the, the guy told Olivia, you don't know who you're dealing with. I think even more than last episode, this episode shows that the people they're dealing with or whatever they're dealing with is pretty effing serious, right? Like the people, like the lobes would be willing to go to such lengths to acquire this, like 
you know, whoever they're working with, working for, whatever's going on here, this is some serious stuff here. Yeah, and and we we find out how serious it is. Additionally, when Walter talks about the DNA sequencing that reveals a purposeful introduction of a specific line of DNA code, and then Astrid, who is weakly increasing her role and importance to the team decides that well maybe it's some sort of a code you know i've got a a background in cryptology and as she's going over the cipher possibilities which appear to be three letter sequences olivia suddenly blurts out what about zft yeah that works and we go from there so once she brings that to Broyles attention yet another piece of information he's withheld from her but again i don't want to beat a dead horse here that that we understand where Broyles is coming from you you can't just throw everything at olivia at once it would be way too overwhelming so it's almost like he gives her something as it's pertinent to whatever the case she's working on at the moment right. and that makes sense it I, I don't know if it makes sense to her but Right. I was about to say, it, it you know, probably is a, a, a source of frustration for Olivia, but we get it from what you just said. Absolutely, that if Royals gave her all this at once, it would likely be too much. I feel like maybe it's a bit too much to handle as it is, you know. Um, so, yeah, for sure. I, we we can see why. But, but also what it does, and you had talked about this in an earlier episode, how it you know, keeps our level of suspicion for broils at kind of like just below boiling point. You know, like we we, we mostly trust him, but not a hundred percent. You know, he was in that like Illuminati meeting. You know, and we we don't really trust Nina Sharp either. He seems to be pretty tight with Nina Sharp. So that that kind of by keeping Olivia in the dark, he kind of keeps us in the dark and we're not sure about broils either because we know there's like i said there's there's some serious stuff going on there's some well-placed high-ranking people that are doing some pretty bad stuff well what about that exchange he has with olivia at the end when he tells her that your dissatisfaction is what makes you so damn good and what makes me proud to work with you are you thinking that's maybe a smoke screen on his end or just that we should still consider that possibility uh, yeah, I think we should just, con- I don't think we'd necessarily think it, but we might consider it, you know, like just kind of like in the back of our mind saying, well, that's, he's probably means that genuinely, but on the other hand, he could be plotting to overthrow the world. Right. Because he is right about Olivia that she needs to be able to take a victory no matter how small. And this was not a small victory in that you saved a man's life. Now, granted, we we know he's not a man who whose life you would want to save, although we, I guess you would want to keep him alive to get information out of him once you sure. figure out, if you figure out uh, his role in all of this. But we, we learn that David Robert Jones has a background in genetics and genetic weaponry, surprise, and now we start to make connections to the first six episodes and, and some of these human... Uh, weapons that that we've seen so is he connected i think we can say probably but but we don't have any evidence uh for that yet but but he he fills her in on what they know about zft and that they have cells in 83 countries 
And he's reluctant to call them a terrorist organization because they traffic in scientific progress, which then I think is a beautiful way to look at this overarching theme that we've been talking about since the beginning of the show. So what does that mean? Is this unbridled scientific progress? Are they going to develop artificial intelligence that end up being Cylons or you know, Skynet or whatever, <laughs> uh, are, are they going to have the responsibility in, in tow? So I, I think from what we've seen so far, uh, no, not so much. I don't know. But, but you know, when, when he's talking to her and she says, well, I guess I got to go to Germany. He's like, well, what do you mean? You're not going to get anything. And I love her response. We don't know each other well enough for you to say something like that to yeah, me. That's <laughs> and, classic. Uh, that was classic. And, 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 you know, it's almost like one of those responses that would come in some sort of a sexual encounter that, that perhaps somebody's being a little pushy in, in that regard. But but here it's purely professional, which mm-hmm. to me just makes it even greater that, that they use it. Right. And, and we can see, I mean, it's just like, really, we get a lot of character development with Olivia here, like, as if we haven't already. She's willing to just take off to Germany with really, like, kind of like a wing in a prayer, right? She doesn't have, like, a solid plan as to how she's going to get what she wants to get. And then what it boils down to, you think of how crazy this is, it's so fringe, it involves her interviewing this guy and needing them to call in information that they're getting out of a dead guy by shocking Peter. You know, it's just like the fact that she would go to the table with that flimsy of a chance. Like if there's even like the even hair's breadth of a chance, she's going to take that opportunity. You know, she's not one to just, she'll never quit. In other words, which we've seen from Olivia, you know, she absolutely never gives up until absolutely. Well, we haven't seen her give up at all, but we would assume that, you know, if all her options were up, she probably still would try something. Well, right. And and once she gets in there, uh, David Robert Jones simply wants to ask a question of his colleague in the States, Joseph Smith. I don't know about you. Were you surprised that he ended up getting shot dead? And, 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 and I loved the, the scene where Peter realizes that. So here it is life or death situation. And Peter's racing to the scene in the old family station wagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was just classic. Yeah. And we know he's not going to get there in time, right? Right. We, we know like the, that, uh, the minute we realize he has to stop them from shooting this guy, that this guy is definitely as good as shot. But luckily we have Walter here who can still manages to know how to communicate with people. Uh, once their, their body has been killed. So right. pertinent question. Does he still have his head? Yes, Walter, he still has his head. (laughs) But unfortunately, he was shot in the head, which Walter is very upset about. Yeah, of course that's a problem. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, you know, you you mentioned Olivia going to Germany. And and let me just take a quick detour here because the other little sub storyline in this episode has to deal with Olivia's personal life, her past love life. And, you know, you had mentioned that, that she seems to be just going to Germany with not much of a plan but but when she gets there we realize her plan is that she does have a connection there in lucas did you recognize him 
Yeah, Billy Burke from yeah, Revolutions. From, yeah, Revolution, which again, this was fairly early in his career. But but he she knows him from her military days, and we get the sense right away that there was some sort of a relationship here, even if it was one-sided on his end. It doesn't turn out that way. But it doesn't seem like it was. It seemed like there was yeah. You know, and we don't more know ex- than just the yeah the, the the one sides right. And and we don't know exactly what happened. He he says that he treated her poorly. So uh, you know we'll we'll take him at his word at that point. But then then after you know she thinks that there's no hope here because Joseph Smith's been killed. You know she's at the airport and he's like spend the night. Of course, we immediately go to spend the night with me, which is, of course, what he means. I think he seems like a a nice enough guy that it's like, well, let's just start with dinner and conversation and see where it goes from there, which is, you know, kind of what happens. But we still don't exactly know what their relationship is, but you know he we we find out and he's i was scared so did he break it off you know whatever but but again they start kissing the clothes start coming off i don't know about you but i'm just waiting for the phone to ring which <laughs> of course it does yeah and this is you know not the first time something like this has happened in fringe with with olivia but yeah you know like olivia really like I, you know, I mean, she is an independent woman. She can, you know, be with whoever she wants to be with. But man, like, can you can you just like start dating people outside of work, Olivia? Can you stop hooking up with your colleagues? Well, yeah, but it's maybe? but it's her phone that goes off. I mean, she's always working. I mean, right. I don't. know. I'm, I'm just saying, like, why yeah. is she always? Why is she? This is like unprofessional personal relationships here, right? But uh, <laughs> she's. Of course, Olivia Dunham, so she's going to take the call no matter how many pieces of clothing she has removed already. Walter thinks he can get the dead guy to answer some questions, which, again, is just so classic fringe. And, and, you know, of course, she uh, leaves for the airport. But when she's in the, the car with Lucas, you know, she's talking to him about what Jones said about loyalty. He offers help with Jones. And immediately our spidey sense goes out, uh, starts tingling. Well, do we trust him? So, right. you know, is he going to lead her down the path again and break her heart again? But this time for even more nefarious reasons. But, uh, you well, know. You know I, especially with the revelation about the lobes at the end, that really does – Kind of now, like you said, we do definitely question is um, all the the other people that led her to David Robert Jones. Yeah, sure. Is Lucas Vogel being probably very high up on that list as someone who seems, all right, he seems okay, but now we're like, "Mm, maybe not. Yeah, and and at the hospital there, you know, right before we we get the revelation with Loeb and his wife, you know, Peter shows up, and I think it's her that says, do you want to grab something to eat? And he's like, no, but I'm thirsty as hell. And so, you know, we we get the idea that the two of them are going to go out, I'm making air quotes, socially, which Mm -hmm. 
um, can't remember now if we've seen them do anything like that before. We maybe have, but but you know, the question will be whether or not she can turn off her professional side long enough to have a drink with a friend who's you know, also a colleague. But you know, we'll uh, you know we'll we'll see where uh, where that's going to go. But you know what you were kind of alluding to a few minutes ago. Th- this is not the first time we've seen walter extract information from a dead guy but dude what about the revelation he lays on peter about one of his past experiments do you remember that one which one where he says uh well first of all only walter would snap a polaroid of the moment and then hang it on a piece of the equipment but he says yeah back when i was working for the government in the 70s they they wanted me to Try to get oh, information. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Hoffa, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Peter's like looking at his father, like on the one hand astonished, on the other half, uh, on the other hand, yeah, okay, kind of figures. But that's when that that memory is triggered, and he re, you know remembers his yeah. father hooking up the car battery to him and shocking mm-hmm. him. And I guess we have to ask what was the reason okay walter please give us a good reason now of course walter doesn't he's so focused on the moment will we find out is this going to be something peter's going to explore with his father now that peter is in this world as well this world of scientific experimentation yeah i mean it's it's something that it's it's a moment certainly and, and it passes and we talked about how clearly upset Peter is, how Walter doesn't address it, but this is something that's that's not going to go away, right? It's not like, you know, Walter might have avoided talking about it in this particular moment, but it's, it's not going to go away. Yeah, and it's also fascinating to watch how much Peter buys into the program because he remembers what his father did to him as a child, and now he's strapped down to the, in the chair. He, he's got the electrodes hooked up to his brain. Now Walter says, "Well, the problem is you're thinking too much, so I'm going to inject you with drugs that's going, <laughs> you know, to do whatever." And then gives the the, the big syringe to uh, Astrid, jam this into his chest, and he's like, well, "What is that?" And he's like, "Um." Oh God, I can't think of what it's in. Uh, oh my God, the uh, Quentin Tarantino movie where they, the Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Uh, I can't think of what's it begins with an A. Now I can't remember what it is that that will b- jolt him back to life if he adrenaline. Adrenaline. Thank you. <laughs> um, and yet Peter doesn't say stop. No, not th- this is not worth it. He's bought into yeah. the program to right. the point that I guess he trusts his father, but very tenuously at this point. So yeah, well, I, I think you said that the words are, are buy-in, right? He is he is committed. He is in. We we see last episode was it last episode, the one before that where you know he's talking about listen, I, I I'm I'm out. You know, like the first couple episodes actually, he, at one point or another, he would express. His desire to, you know, like, all right, you got Walter now. I need to go. Kind of that Han Solo type uh, vibe going there. But now he's in. Now he's committed. Now he under, he has seen what they're working against and, and knows that, you know, well, not knows, but wants to, you know, combat this 
you know, this pattern, this evil that's lurking out there. Right. And, and I love Broyles shows up at the lab and he's got Loeb's wife in tow. And he, he, he looks at what's going on. This can't possibly be scientific. <laughs> and, and again, just Broyles just so dry, yet so funny, even though he doesn't mean to be funny uh, for sure. Yeah. But Olivia's in Germany with Jones and wants to know who's responsible. And then Jones turns it around by suggesting they're both being manipulated. So does he know he's being manipulated by the lobes? Uh, he certainly senses that, but uh, we, see, we don't know what he knows. And that question, where does the gentleman live? On the one hand, that's what the lobes were after. On the other hand, we looked at Jones that it was, was it merely, you know, proof of, you know, whatever you're actually saying who you are, that that's going to tell me, yes, you have him. But what did Jones get out of it? I guess is what I'm trying to say. So inarticulately. Well, uh, Little Hill. Okay. So Which he did not, no he did idea, not, but that's important, but, but, yeah. but did he not know that? In other words, they, if he didn't know what the answer is, they could have said fruit cocktail. And then you see, I guess what I'm saying is he, I assumed he already knew what the answer should be. Or there could have been a, it was one of a, a few potential answers. Okay. All right. And that, that, does make sense you know like if you said you know who's the greatest quarterback of all time and you said fruit cocktail that wouldn't you know well okay that's bs but you know if they said john unitas you'd be Thank like you. oh okay right. I, I, I had confidence that's what you were going to say good all right <laughs> um all right anything else about uh, this episode um just like you know i i mean First of all, absolutely unbelievable episode. Yes. Maybe the best of the season so far. Um, that scene, the intensity and suspense of that scene where Walter shocking Peter, then it flips back to the Germans yelling at Olivia, and then back to Walter shocking Peter and ask her asking the questions, and then and then them physically dragging her out before she finally yells, "Little Hill!" I mean, holy cow! I mean. That scene is that that is, is like just a master class right there of of filmmaking. It was so good, yeah. so well done. Right, um, and, and then of course she remembers the two chemical compounds. Now maybe her phone was still open, and Walter could hear on the uh, you know who knows. But regardless, that's yeah. why I would make a terrible FBI agent because he would have said that I'd been like. Wait, could you repeat that a little bit more slowly? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I didn't no. catch. What was the middle one? That's like, you know, Kevin Klein used to always say in The Fish Called Wanda. He's like, what was the middle one? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That would be me too. So, all right. Anything else? Well, the, the one thing, like uh, David Robert Jones, like he said something, like he knows it was Agent Loeb. And I'm wondering, was he, did he, was that something he would have known? You know, like he, like, I can't remember what he says to Olivia, but he says something about it. He mentions Agent Loeb in it. Like, if you want me to help Agent Loeb, it's like, did he know that that was... Oh, so, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of assumed that I missed something where he would have been told, but maybe not, you know? Yeah. Why would he have been told? Right. Exactly. But yeah, and that, the whole thing with the, the lobes at the end, I mean, we see everyone leave and the camera doesn't leave the lobes. 
at first I'm like, is she going to like stab him or something? You know, but um, that they're both in on it. And you just think about not only the, the, we've talked about the risk they took, but also like the, the, you know, Jones talks about manipulation. You think about the manipulation that's going on here. They have obviously the manipulation of, you know, wanting to save a man's life, but there's also this emotional manipulation. It's Broyles' his friend, and then his wife keeps showing up, wanting to know how, what, you know, what progress they're making and everything. So, you know, this is really, these bad guys have really got their stuff together, you know. I think that's it. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, Episode 7. Okay, this episode I won't have any quotes at the end, because Dave warned me that quotes out of series without any comment is a risk for getting problems with uh, copyright, etc., so I don't want to endanger, of course, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. So no quotes at the end anymore. You can only use quotes, obviously, when you are referring to them and commenting on them. And this was just for fun at the end. My favorite Walter quote. Okay, about episode 7. I get the feeling that getting information of a dead person's brain is a real fringe thing. Of course, saw this in John Scott, and now we see that in this Joseph Smith as well. A little different, of course, but still the same idea. It was not necessary for Peter to go in his swimming pants into a water tank like Olivia did, but still. Nice to see Jared Harris here, especially after we just watched Foundation, as the villain David Robert Jones... I really wonder if it was your inspiration to watch and do a podcast about Fringe now, so that seeing Jared Harris in Foundation brought you to the idea to start with Fringe. He really plays here in Fringe the kind of villain you would expect him to play. It really fits his signature as an actor. I have a little nitpick, because when Mitchell Loeb is brought into the emergency room, they open his chest and these doctors don't wear any mouth masks, etc. Of course, we see later when Walter, Peter and Olivia visit him and watch the parasite, they are fully dressed up with mouth masks and full in sterile clothing. So I don't know what they want to show with this, it's just a nitpick or that they want to stress the emergency setting and that the doctor didn't even have time to put his mouse mask on. The scene I really liked most was the scene with Broyles and Peter, where Broyles, after Walter talks about his fruit cocktail, he says to Peter, we need to discuss your father. And I won't put Peter's quote in here because it's quite long. Um, really, the rant Peter then gives Broyles is really, really to the point and nice. I really like that. We see a little more about Olivia's history here again because we now know she had some kind of a relationship with this Lucas. Very funny was for me when this Lucas and Olivia went to the prison and meet the warden there. 
is how they try to speak German. And I think they did it nicely to have English native speakers try to speak German with a very big accent. On the other hand, the warded was speaking very well German, although it's an American actor as well. But this actor, Kenneth Tigar, has a BA and a PhD in German literature. What I hadn't seen coming is the end of the episode where uh, Mr. and Mrs. Loeb uh, obviously had some scheme. Uh, but on the other hand, I thought this scheme was very, very risky with him having this parasite in his chest and getting to the emergency room, getting his chest opened, etc., etc. I don't know if they had anticipated all this because there was a quite a high chance I think he would have died. So I really find it unlikely that they would have anticipated all these steps that we really see that are taken. And that all just with the purpose of getting this David Robert Jones into the picture. Okay, that was all about French. I forgot to tell what am I watching. Well, currently I just started with The Book of Boba Fett, which all has a very nice The Mandalorian feeling, which I liked very, very much. Wayne and I even liked it that much that we both built, I think two years ago or something, the uh, Razorcrest spaceship from The Mandalorian. But I was under a stone, under a rock again, if I want to use that expression, um, not being in my right mind, because I thought The Book of Boba Fett was a kind of cinema full movie, and heard some people talk about it. I didn't realize it was a series, so it took me up to episode four to realize it was a series, but now I'm watching it and really, really liking it. Especially also with Ming-Na Wen from, of course, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Alright, again, as we said, the idea of getting information from a dead guy's brain is, is something that Fringe has established and we'll go ahead and roll with it and... That's fine. Well, the tank is still in the lab, so... Yeah, you know. and Fred does mention that, well, <clears throat> Olivia had to strip down to her underwear to do this, uh, whereas Peter just climbs in a chair, uh, whatever. But he also brings up that, that confrontation between Broyles and, and Peter, where Peter is ranting about his father. But it, it's like, Broyles still doesn't get it about Walter. You need to do something about your father. Dude, are, are, have you not been paying attention? What on earth does he expect to be done with Walter Bishop? I mean, he right. comes through week after week and you don't understand that there are going to be these fruit cocktail moments sprinkled in. You know, where have you been, Broyles? So yeah, well, maybe Olivia has been leaving that stuff out of the reports, but you know, it's, I guess it's one thing where he's like, you know, away at the office and getting these reports to actually seeing the lab and talking to Walter and uh, realizing how just crackerjack this whole thing is. And then, of course, Fred mentions about the, the lobes and, and that whole aspect of the story was very nicely hidden. I didn't see that coming at the end, but, uh, you know, really well done. And we could argue you know, as Fred points out, did they really anticipate 
this is how it was going to go down. And yeah, we don't know. We'll maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. That's okay. But but still, introducing Loeb as a bad guy here was uh, really well done. So, uh, anything else about what Fred brought up? Well, just yeah, to confirm that that yes, two years ago um, I did build the the Razor Crest uh, oh, from right. Lego. That that was that was pretty awesome. I also have uh, Boba Fett's ship. I built that as well a couple years ago, which was that was really really cool, a lot of fun. Um, the, the, it had you know it was had a former name that is no longer uh, an appropriate name, so now we just call it Boba Fett's ship. Okay. But uh, but yeah, working on R two D two right now. By the way, in case anyone out there is a Lego builder person like me, so <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I suspect you're going A minus. No, even okay, you're going full on A. Good. Yeah, I didn't want to have to uh, strong arm you in this one. So. <laughs> yeah, no, this is uh, you got to you got to re- respect this. This was an outstanding episode. You know, I you know I I forgot J.J. Abrams wrote it. We. Maybe in the spoilers, and we'll talk about all the ways it's similar to Lost and everything. But uh, you're just uh, yanking my chain now. But I, I am totally okay. yanking your chain. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, this was, this was a great episode. A full A all the way. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's get to the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you have not seen the entire series, stop listening now. Unless you want to be spoiled, that's entirely up to you. You know, the last few weeks we've been uh, having a little bit of trouble finding things appropriate for the spoiler zone. Not so much here. Uh, what struck you first? Well, there's a lot of stuff that I I know are are, are things like like David Robert Jones is a character throughout pretty much the rest of the series. Um, he is instrumental both in this world and the alternate universe. So, but I, you know, it's like I, I couldn't remember specifically. For things like ZFT, I knew that also was a, a big thing, but I just can't exactly remember what it was about it, you know? Well, the thing that strikes me about Jones in this season, we're going to be introduced to his teleportation experiments. And, you know, the the, the scene, you know, when he leaves the prison and then... I think there's that scene out in the woods where I think he yeah. somehow generates some sort of a, you know, a rift between universes and, and you know, we're going to see that. And then you mentioned ZFT and, and I, I remember th- there's a lot of focus on the ZFT manifesto that I think they find in some bookshop or something. It was typewritten and, uh, right. Okay. Think, yeah. It, it was like three German words too, right? And, like, yeah. And I think we come to find out. I, now, maybe I'm misremembering because a lot of it is they want to know who is the author of the ZFT manifesto, and doesn't it turn out to be Walter? I think it was Walter. Yeah, I believe so. So, uh, so or William per- Bell, maybe. Yeah, but or maybe I the two say, of them together. Yeah, I want to say Walter, but but yeah. So so that's certainly you know, comes to mind after seeing this episode. But but then I also go back to that scene when Peter remembers being experimented on by his father. And I don't, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, which Peter was it? Well, well, clearly this Peter remembers being hooked up to a car battery. So yeah. my question is, is it possible that the other Walter, Walternate, uh, I mean, we see him more as a corporate figure 
in you know later seasons in the alternate universe but he does have a science background if i recall correctly um, right well he was he was just walter in the other universe who right. had this, you know was just had a different path in life because you know, it was his son that was stolen. Well, right. But we also always see him in suits and, and things like that. Right. So I guess what I'm getting at is, was there something before his son was stolen that that he was experimenting on young Peter? Or does this Peter, see, but because were, were the experiments shortly after Peter was brought into this universe? Again, I'm inarticulately <laughs> um. <laughs> no I, I get it so did Walter that uh, hook Peter up to the bag or did this Walter hook right, Peter right because we know this Peter is from the alternate universe because the other one died so yes. so that's not right. even an issue so it's a question which Walter shocked him and, and I guess my money is on the, the Walter that we're you know um, seeing right now in, in this universe and that it apparently happened you, you know, early on in his time. And, and again, we don't know what he remembers at this point. I can't remember what he remembers or, I mean, I can remember. Well, Peter doesn't remember anything about, right. obviously he has no memory at all of the, his life in the other world. Um, so we would you know, pretty safely say that, that it's this Walter. That did, well, plus with Walter's reaction and his, unwillingness to talk about it with Peter, you know, can demonstrate, even though he doesn't seem to be aware of, you know, of his culpability and guilt, but maybe he is in, in, in some slight degree showing a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to bring up about um, spoiler zone material? Um, I, like I said, I mean, there's just so much stuff that I, I recognize as things that would be important later, but I just couldn't remember exactly. I guess I could have looked it up, but you know, maybe we'll talk about it more later. Well, Olivia, um, Olivia mentions to Jones that she's surprised he doesn't use leverage to get out of prison. And, you know, he has that line about, well, you know, that's your assumption that uh, I would rather be somewhere else other than here when we know he's later going to teleport himself out of prison. So, right. You know, that there's no urgency for him. Yeah. But I mean, like one thing, I mean, we, we've just been introduced to, you know, probably the, the best baddie in the, uh, in, in the fringe universe here with, in David Robert Jones. So that's why the, it's such an exciting title of, of the episode, you know, cause it just, we say, Oh yeah, you know, David Robert Jones, let's go. Yep. All right. You want to leave it there? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think about Fringe, anything else going on in your genre TV world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 8 of Fringe, but... Until then. You know, Dave, I feel like that you may have found your true calling at last, working with me. <laughs> <laughs>